This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. We had a lot of plays. I don't know if it affected them much there in the second half, certainly in the fourth quarter. You know, I thought we had a good time of possession and um, that's, you know, sometimes when, you know, you make the most plays. So we, we moved the ball decent. We just couldn't get the points on the board and uh, for one reason or another. But uh, in the end, it feels a lot better than last year when we did get some points on the board. And uh, just a great, great win for our team. A second hour of Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. The highlight courtesy of CBS Sports and then Tom Brady after the 13-3 win in Super Bowl 53 for their sixth Super Bowl title. I'm Rami Makhlouf, Judd Zolgad, Manny on the other side of the glass. And joining us for hour number two of Purple Daily today is Matthew Collar, who you hear weekdays, 2 o'clock on Score North Live. Football to you, sir. Football. Yes. How 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 enthralled? How c- captured were you by Super Bowl Fifty Three yesterday? Not much, <laughs> not much at all. You're football guy, I, it, but I don't think being football guy uh-huh. means wanting to rip your eyeballs out of your sockets with boredom. I mean, it, usually you want good football, and that was mostly not good football. Now, if it had been a defensive battle that turned out to be. 14 to 10 and the two teams had gone back and forth but there really wasn't a back and forth unless you're talking about the two punters right and so i I think the best games are balanced the best have good defensive plays good offensive plays but there really wasn't even a lot of great defensive plays the interceptions one was tipped and bounced in the air and a linebacker caught it in the air the other interception was jared goff what in god's name are you doing I mean, I didn't realize how bad that throw was until I saw the replay this morning. Yeah, I mean, it was the right read, but Uh you've got to step into that throw, and then you've got a chance at it, but you're still throwing it against one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. So that was a a bad decision and an even worse throw. If there had been a lot of great defensive plays, I could see where people would be saying, man, they just really stepped up. But it wasn't even anything special that happened. It was offensive ineptitude, really, by the Rams. I mean, they got wide open receivers, missed them. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Brandon is Cooks, standing wide open in the end zone. Yeah, that wasn't good. And then Brandon Cooks can't bring in the one. The pass second into one the was worse. Yeah, the I, second one was. But but I will say this: in my mind, it beat a blowout because I watched enough Super Bowl blowouts to have said, be at least in this case, 
in the final quarter, you still were watching. Yeah. As, as opposed to, but yeah, it was not. Uh, it's, it's not a high bar. But the way the way that Judd worded it in the first hour was in the fourth quarter, I had to watch. It was it was an yeah. obligation. It wasn't yeah. something you wanted to do. It was an obligation. You were like, well, I've invested three hours in it. But Might again, as well give it another 45 minutes. But again, this co- this comes full circle to the point that we've always talked about is a game like that is what makes the great games great. Like we we put up with that crap because somewhere along the line, probably in the next few few years, will be a Super Bowl that's absolutely off the charts, and and I don't think that you can have a true appreciation for the great games unless you sit through the mundane or bad games. And we have been generally spoiled recently with yeah. a lot of really great Super Bowls. And whether you were happy that Seattle didn't give Marshawn the football or not, which I was not happy about that. And my guy Daryl Bevel, I'm still angry at Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll for that, uh, but. That was a good Super Bowl. There were a lot of great plays, offensively, defensively. It came down to the end. It was a great ending. And I think that all of us would have forgiven the New England Patriots and Los Angeles Rams for yesterday's game if it had been a good ending. And when Jared Goff starts to move the ball and they start to travel down the field a little bit and it looks like, okay, now this is it for them. They're going to tie this game and it sets up for a good ending. Someone's going to get a game-winning drive and then we'll forget seven or eight punts in a row. We'll never talk about it again that Steelers and Cardinals Super Bowl until the fourth quarter you remember how bad that was everyone was saying all the same things I remember googling worst Super Bowl ever during that game (laughs) and then it's known as a classic because of what happens at the at the end with the Fitzgerald touchdown and then the great drive by Roethlisberger that was my hope all along that we would have some sort of drama you can't call it a great game when it has no drama the whole way through pretty much worst day in my opinion McVay or Goff McVay, I, I was no, just about to ask. I, no, well, here my contention has always been that Goff is pretty good, but I don't think he's great, and I think McVay props him up consistently. I, th- if I was to start w- with worst day, McVay mm. for me, McVay, terrible, day. or Goff, or Todd Gurley would all be in the conversation for who had the worst day. Todd Gurley was. Hurt, I though. think that it was. Jared Goff, who had a worse day than Sean McVay. There's no question he got outcoached, but there were so many times where Goff had an opportunity to make a play. The one cool thing that we have now is trackers and every player's pads or something. So NFL Next Gen stats can show you a big picture look at how open wide receivers were at times, and he didn't make plays. And to me, that's when you dial up a play that puts Brandon Cooks wide open in the end zone and Jared Goff is too late throwing him the ball. That's on Goff. When it's third and two and the New England Patriots are playing double high safety and Jared Goff doesn't check to a run, that is on Jared Goff. That is not on Sean McVay because why would you want a play action against two high safeties? There was a lot of stuff like that where it was, why didn't you react to a play? Why didn't you throw the ball away a few times that he took? But why sacks? didn't you establish the uh, run game? That's well, what I don't get. Well, that is a if that you're is McVay, another question for sure. If you're McVay, all right, the game starts and you're like, okay, the, the Patriots adjusted a, a lot of things and are playing well. Why don't you go to short passes and runs? And because the Patriots would give you that basically, that that would have allowed you then to establish drives, which they didn't do. There was a lot of things that McVeigh did that I think he he like so many before him got freaked out by Belichick. Well, I also think that he should have known 
that Bill Belichick was going to break all of his tendencies. Yes. That's where McVeigh. We talked about also, that. Also, yes, because I saw yesterday that they were one of the top teams in terms of man coverage percentage, the Patriots. So you knew they weren't going to stick with that because the Rams' whole offense is set to beat man coverage. Right. So they were going to change up everything. And uh, one of the McCordys, I forget which one, is <laughs> One of their twins, so it's hard to tell which guy was talking. It just said McCordy and showed him like I don't know which McCordy that is. But one of them said that that's Belichick's whole thing: is you game plan for the opponent. You don't just play the Belichick defense. Right. You game plan for them and for that defense to throw off Jared Goff by using zone coverages. That's what they did. And the other thing was the play action is great. And this is always my contention with Kirk Cousins in terms of where he ranks among quarterbacks. I would say this for Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff. They're all the Spider-Man meme. Like, looking at each other, they're just different variations of the same quarterback who does not go off script successfully. And they also, Matt Ryan is better than the others, but they also struggle when they're asked to just drop straight back and make a throw. That's where Brady's great. That's where Breeze is great. All the great quarterbacks. If it's third and seven, there's no play action, or the other team is not giving play action. You notice that the linebackers yesterday were not running up to the line on those play actions. They were just standing there. Like, we're not going to let you take advantage of But how of does us. McVay not factor that? Like, you know, you know, you sat there yeah. the yep. second that you know... Uh, the, the Sunday of the championship games that you're going to play the Pats. Yep. You know that your your offensive scheme no longer really works. Like yeah. you know that. Yeah. Because yeah. Belichick so, has a season of film to look at yes. and two weeks to prepare for you. And yeah. so now now you've got two weeks though to call in Jared Goff and to be like, okay, son, sit down. This is going to take some time. The problem is, is it's Goff's weakness though. You are you are playing so much to his weakness at that point. Well, if you're the play caller. I mean, and then is that the, something so, you really want to do? And then, and then this conversation comes around to this question: If we believe, and we do, that there are certain quarterbacks who are propped up by coaching, not completely, but a lot, where do those guys basically become not useless, but they've hit the wall? So, so if you've got golf and you can't do that, have you have you hit an imaginary wall that ends right there? Only when Tom Brady is the other quarterback, I think. Uh, Brady wasn't I, great yesterday. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. But I, I, he's the one, though, that when the other team is playing good defense, he finds a way to lead a game-winning drive. And this is always how he is. He's not perfect in all these Super Bowls. He's not perfect in all these playoff games. But usually you're playing a pretty damn good team. So he's able to make the plays in the big situations where a lot of these other quarterbacks that have to stay on script cannot. And that's what often separates it. That's why when you look through all the quarterbacks who win the Super Bowls, it's 95% Hall of Fame quarterbacks who can make special plays, or when the other team takes away what you do best, you find a way to to do something else. And even last year when he lost, I mean, they put up a ton of points, and he was great. He's always doing exactly what's needed to win, and that's what he did yesterday, and Jared Goff wasn't able to do that. I mean, the sorry, the Jared Goff game yesterday looked like a Kirk Cousins meltdown game. It looked like exactly how Cousins looked against the Patriots. If the other team takes away what you do well... These quarterbacks cannot go off script and do something special, and that's why Patrick Mahomes almost beat them, because he is that special of a quarterback. And this is going to be the struggle for the Vikings, no matter how many offensive linemen they sign, no matter how many wide receivers they get, or how good the defense is, that what you see is generally these quarterbacks have a tough time beating the quarterbacks who can go off script and can play to their weaknesses and still win. 
Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to game plan for some of the things that he does. You can call up the perfect defense, and he's going to throw it at some arm angle into some window that you thought was damn near impossible. They he took was, away Tyreek Hill. Right. And he still scored a bunch right. of points. But do you think that then Jared Goff and, and by relation, Sean McVay in some sense, were exposed in that game, that Bill Belichick showed the rest of the NFL things that you can do to to confuse or throw Jared Goff off of his game, and that maybe maybe the the Rams just peaked by making it to Super Bowl Fifty Three, and now it's now it's it's downhill from here. So it's going to be really interesting. Now they finished number two in scoring this year. They mm-hmm. finished number one in scoring last year. So if teams were going to figure out everything to stop them, they probably would have figured it out at some point this season. But I do think that teams made progress with it. And Matt Patricia worked for Bill Belichick. The Lions game against the Rams, I went back and watched some of that as the Vikings were getting ready to play the Lions. And this was before the Lions had fully mailed it in. And there were some things there that the Patriots used in that game yesterday that it wouldn't be surprising at all if Belichick, Belichick called, talked about that. Yeah, yeah, if he either studied closely or called his former defensive coordinator and said, what did you do there? Because they found some weaknesses in that Rams scheme. And I think that another point to be made here, too, is when you look at how the Rams are built, it's really for this year. I mean, they went all in. They got Peters and they got Tlaib and uh, a couple of years ago, they signed the receivers and they signed Andrew Whitworth and all those things. And Dominican Sue. And Dominican Sue is an all-in type of move. But now you look at him and you go, well, their left guard's a free agent. Their center might retire. Andrew Whitworth is going to be a year older. And like it's not maybe going to be quite as strong. So it might be a little bit of, yes, teams start to take some of these things that the Patriots do. But they're also not all coached by Belichick. That's so they won't say. do that. That's the uh, yes. But the other thing is we might see a fall off. Just because that's how it works. Atlanta. How about Atlanta when they had that offense? It was all-time good in 2016. And then they had some guys get hurt. They had some guys leave. They had their offensive coordinator take another job. And all of a sudden they drifted back to being just good at offense and not super, super great. I could see that happening. So while offense is the flavor of the day in the NFL defenses will always catch up to him. Is that is that what we've figured out here in this segment? And does that make you feel better about the Vikings? I think there's certain things that de- defenses will. I don't think that you can be so confident and cocky, though, as to say w- what the Patriots do is transferable. And, C- Collard, this is the thing that I brought up before. The Patriots are the Patriots. They're incredibly special. And... There are tendencies that the Patriots found in the Rams that will be copied and probably successful for a while. But while while teams are now going to spend the coming months, say, going back and watching the Patriots Rams film, the Patriots are going to be moving on. And so I don't think it's as simple as saying that teams like the Vikings can look at what the Patriots did and now completely copy that. They can for a short time. But what makes this sport so fun is the evolution of the schemes. And, and the first to hit on something will then be copied, but that team moves on and goes on and on and on to the next thing. So the answer to your question is yes, short term, but the long term is 
teams are going to then change. And McVay is incredibly smart guy. He's going to change things yep. too. And he's only thirty two. And and this league, look, guys, this this league is not coming back to saying that defensive game sure was fun. They're going to get as many rules as possible now, more geared towards offense than ever. And so all of those things I think are going to conspire to offensive points still being scored in huge bunches in two thousand nineteen. I would add that the Patriots were clever in the way that they played with their cornerbacks knowing that the flags were not going to determine that game. They knew that there was not going to be a ton of holdings or pass interferences, so it looked to me like they played extremely physical with those Rams receivers, including the one that's a drop by Brandon Cooks in the end zone. Very well could have been pass interference when you look at Stephon Gilmore had his hand on the left arm of Brandon Cooks, but you knew if it wasn't somebody smacking somebody else right before the ball got there. They were not going to call that. They were not going to have any more drama like they had last week about the referees after this game. But I I would say this, Rami, to your question, is that a defense won a championship game. But the idea that defense wins you championships, you can't get to the championship with just defense. I mean, the last three years, it's been all teams ranked in the top four that end up in the Super Bowl going up against each other in offensive points. So I don't think that any more can you just win on defense or that it's ever really happened. I mean, I went through the 1970s, and it's number one offenses going and winning the Super Bowl. A lot of those Super Bowls, sure, were dominated by a defense in a game where they had two weeks to prepare. But as far as getting yourself there, the Vikings are not getting there with the 16th-ranked or 19th-ranked scoring offense. It's got to be top five, top seven, top eight, and then have a great defense to go with it to have a chance. But you're not getting in this conversation unless you are one of the top scoring teams in the NFL. And one of the all-time great defenses that everybody talks about, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that defense with Sapp and Derek Brooks and Lynch and all those guys, mm-hmm. they were great for a number of years. But the Buccaneers, what was the one thing that was holding holding them back from getting to the Super Bowl? They were putrid right. on offense yeah. under Tony Dungy. All due respect to Tony. But they were terrible on offense, and then John Gruden got there, got the offense a little bit better. They were decent on offense. They weren't terrible anymore, and they end up winning the Super Bowl. And there's always going to be outliers anyway. I mean, there's right. always going to be that one team that wins. And, and, and another thing to think about is people will point to the Peyton Manning-Denver Broncos team. First of all, Manning in those playoffs made the plays he needed to make. The other thing is, the other team that they were playing in the Super Bowl was number one in offense that year. So if you want to tell me that it's, you know, oh yeah, you could just win with defense, it's pretty rare that you do, and usually at least one of the teams is top in offense. So if the Vikings want to be there next year... Kirk Cousins has to play way better. They have to do way more to support him, offensive line, weapons, everything else, and then play good enough defense to be there and, and win it for one game. The New England Patriots were not one of the best defenses in the league this year. They were ninth in scoring. Or Well, hold on. I just had this. They were 16th in yards per play, and they were much higher in uh, in your points. I think they were 7th. They were 7th in points. But I that's, think that's just okay. I think that's, that's not great. I think that's a product of the way Bill Belichick approaches the season, and we were talking about this in the first hour. He wants his defense to be the best defense in the league come Super Bowl. Yeah. He doesn't need him to be the best defense in the league weeks 1 through 17. He wants his, his defense and his team as a whole peaking at, at just the right time. I think it... If you give him two weeks to prepare for a team, Mm -hmm. no matter who it is, he's going to find ways to slow them down more often than not. But the Atlanta Falcons put up a bunch of points on them, totally fell apart. 
The Philadelphia Eagles put a bunch of ton of points on them. So who should we really look at with this? I mean, yes, Belichick's game plan was great, but also, I mean, this was on the Rams, really. This I don't think it's defense wins championships. I think it's if an other team's offense melts down for you, I think, that'll be a lot of help. I think McVay ultimately, to his discredit, was more predictable than uh, P- Peterson was last year. Oh, here. yes. I, think, I would definitely I think that. Doug had a great game plan. You have to look. You cannot look at your team's philosophy during that two weeks and say, this philosophy is going to beat Belichick. What you have to say is, we've got to change things. And Philadelphia did. That, that trick play was fun, but that trick play was genius because what? Patriots didn't see it coming. And, and Peterson knew that if I play to the principles that I've shown on film, I'm dead here. I'm going to lose. So McVeigh basically said, I'm going to go against Belichick with what got me here. That's the biggest mistake that you can possibly make. You've got to introduce principles that teams haven't seen if you're playing the Patriots. You said it you, It didn't make you feel that much better about the Vikings watching that game yesterday? Uh, oh, no, not Matthew. at all. No, it doesn't, you, it, it doesn't change a thing about the way that I look at the Vikings. If you, you want to be in this conversation, you have to have a top offense. You know who is feeling pretty good about the Vikings today? Las Vegas. Sur- feeling surprisingly good about the Vikings today, and we'll talk about that right after this on Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's hard to do the floss wearing snow pants, but that's how we feel about Minnesota sports. It makes us want to do that. We know you get it. Score North. Purple Daily, every weekday at noon here on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. The 12 o'clock hour is live streaming on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. You can get in on the conversation, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North. I'm Rami Makloff with Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny. On the other side of the glass, again, if you want to get in, 651 646 Eight two five five. Before we play a, a guessing game, have you guys looked at the Vegas odds for the twenty twenty Super Bowl? Would it would do you already know the I answer know, to the yeah, question I'm I about do. to ask? Judd, do you know the answer to the question I'm about to ask about the Vikings odds? I've got the story right here, but I've not read the story. I okay. will turn it over and I will not look, so I will be surprised by this segment. <laughs> I'll I have two questions for you. What would you say the Vikings odds are to win the Super Bowl in twenty twenty, Judd Zelgad? Random guess. Well, clearly you said they're better than I thought they mm-hmm. would be. I, I would say that they would be, I'd put them at like 20 to 1. Okay. And how many teams would you say they're giving better odds than the Vikings to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, that's where I'll probably be wrong. I would say, just off the top of my head, I would give at least uh, 10 teams better odds, at least. You're not far off. The odds for the Vikings to win the Super Bowl, along with Green Bay and Dallas, are 16 to 1. Okay. Only seven teams in Vegas' eyes have a better chance to win a Super Bowl than your Minnesota Vikings. The Chiefs are the favorite at 6 to 1. Rams, Saints, and Patriots all sit at 8 to 1. And then the Chargers, Bears, and Steelers, which I don't know how they have the Steelers ranked that high with. A lot of turmoil there, and and unsure, and and a lot of uh, uh, un, undecided things when it comes to their roster. Uh, the Chargers, Bears, and Steelers all sit at fourteen to one. Like I said, Vikings, Packers, and Cowboys sit at sixteen to one. So only seven teams, they say, have a better chance to win the Super Bowl. Where do you think this is coming from, Matthew? Well, I I think that it's a little surprising because they missed the playoffs. And they're not changing quarterbacks, and they're not changing coaches. 
The best they can do is probably add a left guard, and it's not like they have a super high draft pick that would change anything either. Um, But at the same time, I think that Vegas is probably thinking, you know what, they underachieved this year, and maybe more things went wrong than they expected. They also bounced back under this head coach quite a bit. That's right. And they bounced back in 2017, so they might be set for a bounce back again, and that puts them up there. But then when you read some of the other teams that are in their same ballpark, you're like, well, that team's not perfect, that team's not perfect, that team's not perfect. The only ones that you would say are really set to do it are New England could go back for sure with the way that Tom Brady played and all they went through this year too. I mean, they had a lot of things go wrong for them. Josh Gordon leaving, Edelman was suspended, a bunch of different things, uh, and yet they found their way back there. So they've got to be at the top, and the Chiefs have to be at the top. The rest of the teams, they got questions. How about this conference too? This conference is really, really hard to, to predict. I mean, we think sometimes it's going to be great, and it's not. Uh, the Vikings the Vikings have a tendency of good year, bad year, good year, bad, bad year. But this conference, I, key point, Green Bay. Is Green Bay going to come back now, new, new head coach? Still a great quarterback. I mean, he's still very, very good. I don't think they have the roster. And rebound, right. But is their defense going to hold up? Chicago. Does Chicago come back? After the success they, they had and build on that with Trubisky, do they take a step back? This conference, to me, on a yearly basis, is incredibly hard to predict. I'd really like to see this now and then after the offseason because right. I think it might end up changing a lot. Like I was just looking over some contracts yesterday just to see where the Patriots were in their spending and how they spent, and I ran across Jimmy Graham's contract. <laughs> it's just like... Okay, well, that's going to change, I'm sure. He's either going to restructure or just be booted to the curb. And they're going to make a lot of changes to the Packers roster from now to then. So they might end up being a lot stronger than we think. Uh, The one that I wouldn't put my money on, though, is Chicago. I mean, they seem like, even though they'll have a lot of the pieces in place, that they would be a team that could drift back a little bit. If Mitch Trubisky does not take another step forward, then they might be one of those classic teams to be like, number one, best defense, this is amazing, and then all of a sudden, a couple guys get they hurt. They could be the Jaguars. Yeah, they could be the Jaguars, right. or they could be... That's the your Vi- club, Rami. I, I, I'm, I'm open to all possibilities. They, but they could also be the Vikings, where instead of number one, they're number nine in scoring, or they're number four, and then they miss the playoffs because their quarterback just isn't that great. Who's the bounce back from this conference? Who's, who's the team? There's always one. Who's the who's the team that, that we're dismissing right now that's going to win mm. 12 games? San Francisco. I'm going to say Atlanta, but San Francisco is a good one because Jimmy Garoppolo will come back. I think Atlanta was a legitimately great team who had its top four defensive players get hurt or top three defensive players get hurt and never had a great defense to begin with but had a few stars. And when those guys went down, they had nothing else. But they scored a ton of points, and they've got a pretty explosive offense. I also wouldn't be surprised with Carolina, depending on Cam Newton's shoulder. Because they were really good until Cam's shoulder got hurt, and then he couldn't throw the football anymore. But I would not say the Lions. I think they're going to be exactly the same. Oh, yeah. Detroit's got no chance. The thing I'm I'm a little bit confused by when I look at these odds is some of the teams behind the the Vikings, Packers, and Cowboys were already better than, than those three teams this year and are young, up-and-coming teams with new head coaches. Philadelphia is is at 20-1, to 1, and Philadelphia is, is now going to be two years removed from that Super Bowl championship, and they probably lose more guys off that roster and have more recovery to do. So, okay, I understand that. But Baltimore made the playoffs this year, 
And you would think Lamar Jackson only gets better in year two and yeah. a full year, a full offseason under his belt. Indy, with Andrew Luck a year healthier and another year in Frank Reich's system, you would think that they make the next step. Cleveland, after hiring Kitchens, who was the offensive coordinator who seemed to unlock. Uh, I'm curious about that that one, though. You, you don't, you're not sold on I'm not that completely yet? sold. I like Baker. Kitchens, I don't know. I want to see what they spend on because they've still got cap space. And any team with a young quarterback who's that talented and has cap space, that is your model for pouring a bunch of money into it and stacking up the roster and having a chance. I just look at Baker Mayfield, and this goes back to what we mentioned with Patrick Mahomes earlier, and that is that you can game plan perfectly for that guy, and there are just some things you can't game plan for. Some things he just does himself. When nothing else is working, he makes a throw from some weird arm angle into some window that you thought was impossible and makes the big play when nobody thought he could. You look at Houston. I think that's a team that's pointed in the right direction, although Bill O'Brien has had his chances there and has not been able to really turn the corner. Seattle is a team that started to find, after letting go of the entire Legion of Boom, started to find some young players on the defensive side of the football and got better as the season went on. And you know Russell Wilson always comes up with the magic at the right time. So I don't see how you look at those teams and say they don't have as good a chance to win a Super Bowl as Minnesota, Green Bay, and Dallas. And there's probably some teams that we are just flat-out overlooking and Arizona is one of them. Now, I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury can win games as an NFL coach or not. I sure know that he understands offense, though. And if offense is winning and they have cap space and they've got the rookie quarterback. That QB is good, yes. Jared Goff was a mess in his first year, and then his second year he's running the number 1 offense because they got him weapons, they got him a line, because they had tons of cap space to spend. And then he took the next step forward under an innovative young coach. You could definitely see that happening in for Rosen. And Rosen's a very similar quarterback to Jared Goff with just how they operate. So that's a team that I wouldn't overlook. I do really wonder about some of these teams have like great questions, fun questions to answer. Like the Seattle Seahawks. Are you going to sign Russell Wilson to a huge contract extension? He's one of the five quarterbacks I would, but are they? Or are they going to let him go into his last year and see what happens? Dallas with Dak Prescott, same sort of thing. And then the Giants with Eli Manning. Is Eli Manning going to be their quarterback again? And is Jason Garrett that good? I I think Jason Garrett, I'm amazed that he he has not been fired yet. But I look at him now, year after year, and they they got changed OCs now. And I look at Dallas, and I think to myself, does Jason Garrett really get the maximum from that team? Because coaching is important still. And Dak... Dak, to me, has taken some steps back, and I don't know, as as we watch this league play out, I don't know that that's always on the QB himself. I think these guys can definitely use some help. And I watch Garrett operate, and I say to myself, is that really the right fit there? And, but Jerry won't won't make that change, which I'm surprised by. I thought I thought Jerry would change coaches every three years, and he's been patient beyond belief with this guy. The way I tend to look at it now is... If you have one of the five best quarterbacks in the league, you can win under almost any circumstances. You can. Josh Gordon was unstoppable for the Patriots, and they lost him, and it just didn't matter at all. Tom Brady just kept rolling. And he's one of those guys. Breeze is one of those guys. I look at Wilson the same way, where Wilson might have the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL, and he was still great this year. And then there's that next section and they're just different shades of the same quarterback. Dak Prescott falls into that where they got him Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden, he's quite a bit better. When Des Bryant was playing at his height, then right. all of a sudden, you know, players players are better, quarterbacks are better around him. When they had the number one offensive line, 
all of a sudden Dak Prescott goes 13-3, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that like half of the league is there, and then there's guys who would need a ton to go right for them to win. And I put, you know, Eli Manning under that category, Jameis Winston under that category, guys who generally are <laughs> going to sink you because they're bad, but you could see them maybe competing for a playoff spot or something. Eli in his current state, in his younger state, he was he was good, but he was still in that middle he category. Needed help, but yeah. Where's the where are the uh, Packers at then? Is Rodgers a guy? Where is he at right now? Because he's the one that really intrigues me. Because on his good day, still he is great. He's fantastic, but that defense has been a mess, and and they actually have given him. I mean, and this takes work. They actually have given him so little to work with, basically, in the last two years. But I hesitate to dismiss him, because I feel like if he gets a little bit back, that he could easily take that step to being from being criticized to, oh, he's back completely. When he's right physically and mentally, and I thought he was as mentally strong as any QB in this league, until the last couple of years where it seemed like this the relationship between him and Mike McCarthy or just a message from Mike McCarthy started to get stale and started to go bad. And for the first time we saw cracks in 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 the 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 mind and and the morale of Aaron Rodgers. And I thought that had a real effect on him. On top of the physical things that he's gone through over the last couple of years, two broken collarbones, then the knee injury this year, which I think affected him more and for longer than than he and the Packers let on. When he's right, there is not a quarterback that I've seen who can do all the things that he can do on a given Sunday. So if if they hired the right guy who can who can get that Aaron Rodgers back, the Packers are right back in the discussion and maybe even go right back to being the team to beat in the NFC North. I, I don't mind admitting that as a Bears fan because I've seen Aaron Rodgers do it too many times to my team, to the Vikings, to the Lions, to the whole NFL. When that guy is right, he does things on a football field that nobody else can do. So... If they can get that guy again back on the field, and I think the defense took significant strides last year under Mike Pettin for the Packers. I mean, you look at the personnel that he was working with and how really similar it was with a few minor tweaks to the year before, and for him to be able to get out of that defense what he got out of that defense and make the strides that they made, I think if they make some real personnel moves on the defensive side of the ball, and the money will be there to do that this year, they have a lot of money coming off the books, and then you just put a couple complimentary pieces around Aaron Rodgers and get him back on the right track, the Packers are right back in the discussion. So the Packers right now, this is overthecap.com, says they have $36 million to work with, which is a pretty good chunk. Now, I'll tell you, my Super Bowl pick for next year already is the Colts because they have $109 million to spend on the salary cap. Le'Veon Bell will be a Colt. I, I mean, I think I every, should save that everyone that could be a yeah, Colt. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> but, that, I mean, that puts them bottom third, but also like not in the range that they can't do anything. It's just when I look at that Packers roster and I think, okay, maybe Aaron Rodgers is still under that quarterback who can – bring everybody up. Of course he is. That's probably a two-win team with an average quarterback for this year, considering all the coaching issues mm-hmm. and everything else, and the complete lack of weapons. Actually, that's more mid-pack. I'm sorry. I just sorted it by how much cap space. So it's so the middle of the league, so they could spend a little bit, and maybe people want to go play with Aaron Rodgers. They have to get him better wide receivers. 
I mean, absolutely, yeah. The, the spending on Jimmy Graham and only having Devontae Adams out there. I don't fault just him. A, it's just a crime. I don't fault him. I watch that that team and think personnel wise, this guy's been done wrong. The question I I have though is if we talk about that top five, does he does he in this conversation right now still firmly fit in that top five? Brady's Brady's there clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's still there. But yeah. I mean, he's at the he's at the end of that top five now. On his best days, if if he is put in conditions to succeed, he shoots up to top three easily. I guess. Yeah, the thing with him is, I I think that there are those quarterbacks who can raise everybody's play. Um, and Drew Brees is a good example of this. When they had Rob Ryan as their defensive coordinator and nobody of talent playing on that defense, they went seven and nine. They're a one in fifteen team with a backup quarterback playing, and they win six more games because of Breeze. You can only do so much right. if you're Drew Breeze. You can only do so much if you're Aaron Rodgers. I think he was probably still and not playing all that well this year. Still three or four wins above what you would have had if Deshaun Kaiser or Brett Hundley or whatever other bad backup they've had there for a Joe long Callahan, time. Baby. Joe Callahan, in, in Joe re- Callahan wins zero games. In retrospect, team. their best play, knowing how things worked out. For the Packers, their best play would have been Bears game. He gets hurt week one. Shut him down. Shut him down. Surgery. Lose out. That's what I said. Win two. That's games. what I said when win I was two, in Milwaukee. Win one or two games. No, but it, in in retrospect, if, if you go back and and go through the season and you've got a coach that got fired with what three games left, mm-hmm. four games left, if you had just said, you know what, Aaron, you're hurt. You can't play. It's done. Kaiser's going to start the entire year. We're going to win two games. We're going to get a great draft pick. You're going to come back in 2019. It's going to be fantastic. New coach, new everything. It's Purple Daily, every weekday at noon here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. The game itself didn't live up to the hype. How about some of the things surrounding the game? We'll talk about that next, right after this from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Okay. The 2019 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show is back February 8th through the 10th at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Grab your golf buddies. Check out the great deals on everything from drivers, irons, apparel to early season golf passes and destination golf resort vacations. This year, you have two really cool ticket offers. The advanced online ticket offer includes 17 free green fee passes and a his or hers moisture wicking golf shirt. And new this year, the Up North VIP ticket, which includes a golf show ticket, two vouchers for the $100,000 pontoon putt, one Nike performance pullover, and 18 holes with the cart uh, at the Wilderness at Fortune Bay. Check out these offers and uh, all the show details at minnesotagolfshow.com. That's the 2019 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Thank you, Manny. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar here. Matthew will stick around at 2 o'clock for a Score North Live. You can find all our shows and podcasts on demand at scorenorth.com or in your favorite podcast app. You'll find all our team-centric shows, and you'll find Purple Daily streaming live every weekday at noon on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as Twitch, and you can find us on all those various outlets at S-K-O-R North. So uh, the game was uh, not not that entertaining as, as far as football games and Super Bowls go. There's always a lot surrounding the Super Bowl, though, you guys. Let's start with the halftime show and Maroon 5. 
I will apologize for uh, coming on these airwaves last week and saying Maroon 5 ain't bad. I don't know why everybody likes to come down on Maroon 5. And then they came out and delivered that Super Bowl. You're walking it back? A little, I mean, I still okay, don't. glad to hear that. I still don't think they're a bad band. I still don't turn off Maroon 5 every time they come on my radio, but they did not. They did not deliver right. yesterday in that halftime show. From what I saw, in, in full disclosure, um, all three of my write that down predictions yep. were wrong in the first five <laughs> seconds of yeah, that performance. <laughs> didn't do move like Jagger first, did they? And I was close to going into a food coma, so me and the girlfriend <laughs> went and got some fresh air real quick uh, about five minutes into the Maroon 5 performance. I've caught highlights. I've seen some of the feedback and people not happy. Do you know what would have saved it? The only thing that might have saved it so Move Like Jagger was the second to last song or last song, right? Mm-hmm. If they had really brought him out. If they brought Jagger out? Yes. That, the yeah. actual if, ja- Jagger. if Jagger had come out, instead of Levine taking off his shirt and trying to dance around, if they had had Mick prance onto the stage, no shirt. At the tender age, what, 75 or something like that? That would have been the saving. I thought for a second... They're going to bring out Jagger. This is too good, but they're going to bring out Jagger. They didn't. It would have been the one thing to save it. Sometimes you think, okay, this artist is not really one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and I'm not all that interested, but I'll watch anyway because it's the Super Bowl, and you never know what can happen. Right. And then it turns out to be better than you think. I didn't really know much about Bruno Mars when he played it, and he killed, killed it. it. He was fantastic, yep. and I was like, wow, I'm going to check out a little Bruno Mars now. This guy's really good. <laughs> So I thought, okay, now look, I've spent the whole week saying that this is a boring band that I only hear at the grocery store in the background. And like this, this is something that, you know, middle aged moms think their daughters want to listen to, but they don't actually want to listen to. And uh, they did nothing to change my mind. At, at all. It was just, it was dull from the very start. It had no energy, no pizzazz from the very beginning. And then it's just plain offensive for the guy to shout, can I play this guitar like P- Prince did before the Purple Rain solo? And then like not do anything with the guitar. <laughs> it was just like, what? Where? Okay, if the guy could really shred it, wouldn't that have been awesome? But you know what? You know what? He can and and it's funny you bring up Prince and Purple Rain. Adam Levine covered Purple Rain at the Howard Stern birthday concert a few years ago and tore it up. Like, why didn't he do that? I have no yeah, idea. Why, why didn't we get something? Then? I have no we got idea. We got his so songs. Safe, he wasn't cool under thing. pressure. We got his songs. Your songs aren't that good, that buddy. Was, that was the thing is that like we got we got a bunch of like thirty second clips of boring songs to begin with. If the guy can shred guitar, then do it, man. Like, right? I mean, can we okay. Do this? So you work out and you took your shirt off, but that they well, couldn't yeah. save it. All the fire, can the explosion, do- SpongeBob characters, his nothing nipples, could save that. His thing. nipples were trending at one point during that. Oh. Can, can we do? Can we do this then? If we if we're go, if we're going to be stuck and I think I think the league should do something different but if they're not going to can we set the axe and make it like a rotation of four people Bruno Mars just come back like we know you can do it you're good come back let's quit introducing let's say huh, let's say if Maroon 5 wants to play this year let's let's get rid of that and can we just can we decide on like four people that are really good you know, at this type of act and just rotate them through last year there was a report that a hologram of Prince would come out and duet with oh, Justin man. Timberlake that had people that. that had people up in arms I'd take the Prince hologram at mm-hmm. this point I'd take Prince hologram for a Super yeah. Bowl halftime show I, I wish that last year they had just shown Prince on the big board and then just replayed it <laughs> just, you know just replay his thing. I'd be fine but, with that. But you know, my my thing with this one is 
it wasn't just that they are Maroon 5 that made them bad. Like, they were bad. They were bad for Maroon 5, even. Yeah. yeah, That's what you're saying. You're already Maroon 5. Now, if you do something (laughs) to surprise us, right? right, right? And and bringing out the rappers was like, oh, okay. Like, we're going to represent some rap music with 30 seconds of this guy and 30 seconds of the other guy. Well, and I love Big Boy, but... Andre three like it should have been. We should have gotten the full Outcast. Outcast should have been the halftime Super Super Bowl yeah. halftime. But show. then yeah. they should be the act, right? Like yeah. let's forget Maroon Five. Well, they don't. And, I don't Thirty think they seconds get along. of Big Boy was just not not enough for I me. Don't, I don't think they get along. Okay, so Big but, Boy and Andre three. But let's just yeah. make it. Let's just make it a rotation of three or four acts that do this every year, and that's and that's what they. You do. know what would have been great hmm. is if they had had the halftime show like the people from the show that they kept showing uh, the commercials for with like the girl with the robotic arm playing violin and then just a bunch of people <laughs> judging them live. It just would have been like the and world's greatest. We talked yeah. about yes, we talked yeah. about that. If they did the world's the ju- greatest, yeah. those no. ads were better than the Super Bowl halftime show. What I said on Mackie and Judd with Rami last week, and I have another Super Bowl halftime idea. I'm going to save that for Mackie and Judd with Rami this afternoon. But what I said Ooh, last week is, thank you. What I said is they should have a battle of the bands, like Grambling versus Jackson State, battle of the bands at <laughs> halftime. And and on top of that, because that's going to be more entertaining than anything Maroon 5 and most Super Bowl halftime acts have done, people at home watching can vote on who's winning the battle of the bands. You add like an American yeah, Idol element, element to yeah. it and draw engagement. I mean, there's so many options that I would have taken over that. Like, have you ever gone to a sporting contest and seen Red Panda? Or is, yes. it, is it Red, is it Red yes. Panda? Is that the one with the plates? Uh, at or, basketball games. Yeah. Is that right, Manny? Princess Panda? It's I think it's Red Panda. Red no, Panda. Red Panda's okay. a restaurant. No, I think Red Panda's Hold just on. a regular animal. Hold on. No, I think it's Red Panda. Because <laughs> her bike got stolen like two, two years back and then... Utah Jazz uh, bought her a new one or something. Uh, her show. unicycle, not her bicycle. Well, whatever. You, what, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, it is, okay, it's Red Panda. Okay. It's Red, yeah, Panda. Red Panda. Sorry about that. Yeah, she's right. great. So what she does is she goes on a unicycle and she takes bowls and flips them onto her head. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. That would have been way better. How about the people who do like human bowling? Like that would have been great. Yes. <laughs> yes, bring on some, I mean, bring something these, new. These yes, cheese ball halftime shows that you see at just sporting events all over the place would have been more fun than this. And I think if you can't beat Red Panda or if you can't beat like little dog shows where they jump through things, then you probably haven't achieved what you were going for for the Super Bowl halftime show. It should not be a highlight that dude took his shirt off and showed his tattoos. And his nipples were protruding. Yeah, but I mean that should that should not be. We should not have to talk about that. Who can gives? Have, can we who just cares? not ever mention the guy's nipples? Right <laughs> sure, not, no Katie problem. I can do that. All right. The other aspect of the Super Bowl <laughs> that was great. Has what, nothing, what do your nipples look like outside of the Super Bowl? Mine, mine would definitely be. Pro- I have prominent <laughs> nipples. <laughs> In case anybody was wondering, you know, I wasn't. <laughs> I never ever did, and I'm still not. Subscribe at iTunes. Yeah. Purple. Yeah. You can watch us streaming yeah. live every day. Yes. At noon. Score North Twitter account. Twitch to this Rami's nipples. <laughs> How about the commercials in yesterday's game? Any of the commercials do anything for you? Because to me, the commercials were more disappointing than the halftime the show NFL, and the football game. The NFL 100 at was 100. Fantastic. That was the only was good the one. one. That was the only good yeah. one. It was really good, but it was the only good one in my in, to my recollection. My recollection. It was, and I think that the game has changed with these commercials, and they're almost always disappointing now because brands are putting so much of their effort into social media things that we see clever and good marketing campaigns and commercials all the time. Yeah. 
So I think when it gets to the Super Bowl, we're always like, oh, I've seen better stuff than that, like yesterday on Twitter. And maybe those commercials would have been funnier to us at another time. But now it's sort of like, eh. Still, uh, Stella or you know what? That was stealing the most interesting man in the world from Dos Equis was also pretty. That good. was actually really good. I forgot about that. I one. didn't that, expect that. That was really good. Sarah Jessica Parker, yes, the, big Lebowski, the Big Lebowski, the most interesting man in the that, world. That is the one I like. All drinking Stella Artois, even though they have obviously their own signature drinks. Yes. from previous incarnations. That was that was a real good. That was a real good commercial. Outside of those two, though, and I did forget that one, so maybe I'm forgetting more. Was there anything else that a day later you you still remember and go that that was good? That was funny. The, the Bud the Bud Light ones, the Dilly Dilly ones. Well, exp- explain the explain the Bud Light tie into the Game of Thrones where they killed everybody. I don't think th- I don't watch Game of Thrones. Full disclosure, I don't know if anybody here does. No. Um, I think the only tie in is that the the Bud Light commercials and Game of Thrones take place in like some sort of medieval. But I thought, setting, so they saw an opportunity for some crossover there. But I thought they were going to like come back to that. Then, if they had come back to that and, and officially killed killed that ad campaign through that ad, I would have liked that. But it was like oh, you they mean just like the it. dragon burns up everybody yeah, in Dilly Dilly Land, and, and it's never yeah. and it's done. And never it never it. comes back, <laughs> and they make it very clear that Dilly Dilly is just dead. It's dead. But instead, it was like this cross-promotion, one-off commercial, and yeah. it wasn't... I didn't get it. I mean, eventually, they had to throw the Yokero Taco Bell dog over the bridge, right? Yeah, so and then the, he really did die. The so same sad. thing could be done for the Dilly Dilly. It was like very funny before yeah. at first, and then not at all anymore. One of those Bud Light commercials actually stirred up some controversy. The one where uh, they were... They were bragging that they don't have corn syrup in their beer, and they got the corn syrup delivery mistakenly to the Bud Light Kingdom. Uh, The Corn Growers Association of America was none too pleased with that advertisement by Bud Light because... Really? <laughs> I swear. Really? This I, was a thing. Okay, you people have too much to worry about then. <laughs> Go back to your corn syrup and shut up. Honest was, to God. Come that on. was really a thing. And then the other, the beer companies who they, uh, they, they mocked in that commercial, they had to point out that, yes, they use corn syrup, but not high fructose corn syrup. Oh, okay. That, all right. <laughs> I hate 2019. That's, that's definitely what I was worried about yesterday. <laughs> Stirred up some real controversy, I, guys. I hate 2019. Stirred up a lot of controversy. Can I go back to 1978, <laughs> where we just smoked too much and offended each other and didn't care? <laughs> didn't care. Uh, I'll, go ahead I'll and be guys. offended. With go that, ahead. I'm done. Mackie, he'll be back for Mackie and Judd with Robbie this afternoon, as will I. Matthew Collar is going to stick around. He's got Scored North live from 2 until 4. I'm Robbie Mackloff. You've been listening to Purple Daily on Scored North on 1500 and Scored North. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.